Hi, and welcome to another installment of Pull Yourself Together with eShaper Booksellers. I'm Melissa. I'm Jessica. And so you may have noticed that we took a week off last week. Um, I will admit, I did break myself. I fell down and sprained my ankle, and so I was not in the the best of spirits last week and couldn't move around a lot. But we also have decided that we're going to start doing the podcast every other week. Um, Things are starting to pick up a little bit for us. Our hours are a little more extended than they used to be. We've got some traffic in the store but very little and very cautiously we do so we um we're open most of the day now and we're open monday through saturday and next week we may even extend it for another hour kind of to get back to normal hours and get used to being here in normal hours but it's this weird combination of online orders curbside pickups deliveries and mail and actual customers in the store, which is wonderful that um, we're able to interact with people, um, albeit muffled through a mask, because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we do require everyone wears a mask when they come in the store. And we, of course, wear masks as well. So it's a, it's a different way of doing business, and we're getting used to it. We've gotten a doorknob, which a doorknob. We always had a doorknob. <laughs> Yeah, we've we've had doorknobs. Um, we got a doorbell. It's very exciting. So we well, we've had some doorknob mishaps, yeah, but yeah, yeah, we've lost a few along the way. But um, but we have a doorbell now, and that's much less grating than the knocking. So we um, that's an exciting step forward no. in our return to semi normalish. Yeah, and all of our book clubs are up and going as Zoom book clubs, and we're starting to do, again, like we said last time, more of the virtual events. So there's just a lot more going on that requires a lot more behind-the-scenes work that it's it's been exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. No, it's a <laughs> lot, and um, and trying to get our stock back up in the store so that we have uh, the backlist that we normally have on the shelf. Melissa has been tireless <laughs> in her efforts to keep our inventory straight. For which I am eternally grateful. <laughs> well, so all of those things combined have made it a little um, a little difficult to continue doing this each week, but we will be back every other week. So, um, yeah. And it's not so much the talking, it's the amount of reading that we need to do to keep up so we can keep bringing you something new and fresh and a little bit of what's on the shelf now and a little bit of um, what we've read before in mm-hmm. addition to reading for the book groups which we're doing now so yes and also you know the editing process this is not as seamless as it comes out and in, in the finished product you make it look so effortless <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> and um, my goal today is to not sound like like i'm at the bottom of a bucket the, thus far according to the um little meter on the recorder you you should sound like a normal human. Okay. But we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. Stay tuned right. for that. <laughs> All right. So, so Jessica, what, what would you like to talk about this week? What are you, what are you reading? Well, I, I, I'm reading a couple of different things. As usual, I'm listening to something. And um, I've had a kind of tougher time transitioning from the Jane Austen Society and finding something that grabbed me as quickly as that did. But well, it may have been the lack of Richard Armitage. It's true. <laughs> I know. Well, but, but I have found this interesting juxtaposition between two books. So I'm reading Just Kids um, about 80 pages at a time with a book group. And we have just finished our second installment of it. And it's Patty Smith and Richard, um, 
Robert Maplethorpe and their time in New York when they're budding artists, when they first met each other, they're very poor, they're, they're both art for art's sake kind of people trying to break in the art world. Um, Robert Maplethorpe is obsessed with Andy Warhol and they're trying to make their way into that world, especially him, not so much Patty. She really is not into the Warhol scene. And so, so that book juxtaposed with The Chiffon Trenches by and- Andre Leon Talley, a memoir which I just started listening to, is kind of amazing because they both take place in New York right around the same times. But the New Yorks that they describe could not possibly be more different. <laughs> so it's given me actually a new appreciation for what Robert and Patty were doing at the time because his experience is also amazing but entirely different. First of all, he's coming at it as a, a black man from the South. Um, he went to school um, in Raleigh. Uh, he grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina with his grandmother He went to college, he got a degree in French and thought he would teach French, and then he got a graduate um, scholarship for Brown. Mm -hmm. So he went to Brown, and then he went to New York as a journalist to try to write, and he met up with Warhol and started working for Andy Warhol, and they became friends. And then through him, he met up with a lot of fascinating and important people in the fashion world. He became friends with Karl Lagerfeld, and their relationship led him to end up working for W, a Women's Wear Daily magazine. And then from there, he goes to Vogue. And it's just a fascinating story. But again, it couldn't be any more different than Patti Smith's version of her life in New York in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, high fashion as opposed to poor artists, very, very different. Well, he was poor as well. I mean, he was living at the 23rd Street Y, I think, and he, um, you know, couldn't afford a lot of clothes. His first job paid $22,000 a year, which was a fortune in New York at that time. But um, he lived frugally, but he was creative in his outfits, but (laughs) (laughs) very creative. And the pictures in the book are wonderful. And really, he was the only... African-American man in the room. I mean, he he was in a very unique position, and um, it, it re- I, it's an interesting story. I'm about halfway through it right now, and I am really enjoying it. Um, but Robert Maplethorpe, they were also interested. He was interested in fashion in a very different way. But, um, yeah, it, it's interesting looking at the lives of these brilliant artists who – we're living in the same city, but yet in such different cities with a little overlap of the people they knew and met. The other thing that struck me in both these books is they both take place at a very turbulent time in our history. Vietnam War is going on. There's a lot of protests, change, marches, Woodstock, the Summer of Love. None of that's mentioned. They, in neither book, do they really talk about the politics of the time? There's a brief mention of it from just like a sentence or two here and there. Hmm. But they absolutely only talk about the world they're living in in New York in their small little small little boroughs where they are and circle of friends. And even between these two books, they could be living in completely different cities. I mean, other than the overlap of characters. 
and they could be living at a time where there was Vietnam. No, no Vietnam. I mean, it's it's really interesting how narrowly focused both these books are. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. Yeah. Well, so I am listening to on Libro FM a book called The Down Days by Ilza Hugo. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one was actually recommended to me when you and I went to New York in February and met with publishers. So at Simon & Schuster, they recommended this book to me, and I finally have gotten around to it. Um, it's a little on the nose for right now. <laughs> so it is a apocalyptic science fiction um, book, and it's set in um, what used to be Cape Town, South, Alfre- South Africa, but is now called Sick Town. Um, a pandemic has broken out there. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so this pandemic, um, it manifests initially with laughter and people just laugh and laugh and laugh for days and their organs break down and like they so eventually it it does kill you um and it's it's like coughing but different yes sort of yeah. yeah um and so everyone in the town has to wear a mask um it's it's eerily similar to what's going on in our world right now and obviously you know this book has been in the works for several years prior to it coming out and it it just happened to come out at a weird time um and so it goes back and forth between um several different characters points of views um there's a lot of children who have lost their parents to the epidemic and the government is trying to round them up and put them into these government orphanages that are just not great. Um, so one of the characters is a young girl who is taking care of her baby brother and it's just the two of them. And she's been, you know, working and, and trying to make ends meet. And then her baby brother goes missing one day when they are doing their shopping. Um, there's a guy who, trades in human hair okay yeah (laughs) so a question yes Um, so oddly in Mm -hmm. this it seems that children aren't affected in the way that adults are no they are it actually started with two little girls so it can it can go to anyone but it's just there have been a lot of orphans as a result of it um then one of the other characters is her name is Faith and she used to be like a minibus like taxi driver but now has taken a job transporting the dead because oh. somebody has to move the corpses around so that's how she's and nobody's you know taking taxis and stuff now so that's how she's making a living um it's really really good i will say the um the audiobook version of it has two different narrators, which I enjoy, and very short little chapters. And it's in- – I said I wasn't going to say interesting because <laughs> I say interesting all the time. It's unusual in that um, you've listened to one of the chapters, and then it goes to the point of view of another character, and something from the last chapter is sort of an aside in the chapter that you're listening to currently. So um, thus far, I'm about, I would say about a third of the way into it. Um, 
it's taken me a little while to get all the characters straight in my head because it changes around so often. But I'm very much enjoying it and I'm curious to see where it goes. But it is uncomfortably similar to what's going on right now. So are you enjoying reading it right now or do you find it difficult reading it in the current climate? I mean, I actually, I'm kind of enjoying it because it sort of almost normalizes the current climate a little bit, which I, I, I don't, don't want it to be, no, bad, I don't want but... it to be normalized, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't make it seem like we're living in such a weird, weird time. Um, so let's see. I'm going to go with one that I read a while ago. Um, I actually read it as an arc and it just came out. A week or two ago. Um, it's called All My Mother's Lovers by Alana Massad. Um, I want to read that one. It's, I, yeah, okay. It, I was, I was going to double check and make sure. It is um, her debut novel. Um, so it's a queer author, um, and her main character is a lesbian. Um, and so her name is Maggie, and Maggie is, um, living with her girlfriend who is an artist and Maggie is working for an insurance company as an adjuster. Um, it's not an exciting job, but it's a, it's an actual, you know, good paying job that has benefits and stuff. Um, it wasn't exactly what she intended to do with her life. Um, but her mother suddenly dies in a car accident. And so she has to go home um, to take care of all this. She's got a slightly younger brother who is in college. Um, and then her dad and her dad has just kind of fallen apart. Like he's very overcome with grief and is just not really functioning. And her brother, while he's in college is not really an adult yet. So most of this is falling to her. Um, and so when she is going through her mother's papers and um, trying to figure out exactly what her wishes are for um, burial and all that kind of stuff. She finds these five letters that she, her mother it, um, has instructed to be delivered to people she's that Maggie has never heard of at her death. And so she's really intrigued by this and just wonders who these people are and why they were important to her mother. So instead of just sending the letters to the addresses that are on them, she decides she's going to personally hand deliver them. So she goes out on a road trip and is finding these people. And it's really a story about how the person you think you know the most about and could never surprise you really surprises you and how um, your parents have actual lives that have nothing to do with you as their children, that they are, you know, grown yep. humans with their own lives. And it's, um, it's really, really good. Uh, she, she learns so much about her mother and they had sort of this, um, tense relationship um because her mother was um her mother was jewish 
um, and not really supportive of her being a lesbian um, and worried that she wasn't going to have a good life and things were going to be difficult for her because she was gay. And so that, that made their relationship strained. Um, and they never really fixed that before her mother passed away. Um, and so this journey that she goes on gives her some greater insight into her mother and what her mother's life was like before she became a mother. And even after she became a mother, there were things that she just didn't know about her. Well, I think the title kind of puts it out there. Yes. So. Yeah. But All My Mother's Lovers. Mm-hmm. Alana Massad. Um, it is definitely on my to-be-read list. It is. It really is. I, I know you said you weren't going to say beautifully written, <laughs> but it really is well written. Um, you know, it's just. There, there are some uh, adult moments in it. Okay, just well, know that with a title like that. <laughs> yes, yes. 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 Um, oh goodness. Well, I'm going to talk about a book that sometimes I forget about, but I just loved that I read several years ago, and it's in paperback now. And it, it doesn't sound like it's a good summer read, but it is an excellent summer read. It's, um, it's called The Summer Guest. And it's by Allison Anderson, and you may know her, or you may not know her, as the translator of The Elegance of the Hedgehog. I love that book. I know. <laughs> so, so she has that going for her. And the book, the characters in the book, it, it's two dual narratives that are going on. And the main character, one of the main characters, who s- starts out telling the story, story is um, Katja Kendall. And I'm not going to try to pronounce all of the Russian and Ukrainian names because I can't. <laughs> and so, so Katya is a translator and a Russian um, immigrant. And she hopes that the translation of a diary by an obscure Ukrainian doctor whose family home Anton Chekhov spent summers at, two summers specifically, um, will help change the fortune of the publishing house that she's trying to set up and running and working for. And so she starts translating this diary, and um, she's also having trouble with her marriage. And so she she goes to be alone while she's doing this, and she gets caught up in the story. And it's it's a beautiful story of a um, two sisters. One of them is a doctor, and she has a degenerative illness, and she's starting to lose her vision and become blind. And so she's keeping a diary, and she's worked out a system where she uses um, kind of a ruler to write on so that she can keep her line straight as her vision fades. And during that time, she becomes friends with Chekhov, who's also a doctor. And this was before he becomes a writer. And he's living in a cottage nearby. And they develop this beautiful friendship. And um, I'm I'm not going to say it's a love story, sort of a love story um and it's just uh, if you if you enjoy Chekhov if you've read his short stories and like reading the Russians this will take you into that period of time in the late 1800s it will take you into this world of the the lakes and the birch trees and and the summer cottages and um and just sort of the cadence of Russian literature, and I'm I'm gonna say it is beautifully written. It's <laughs> I, I I hesitate to say um, lush, but the language really is lush and evocative. 
and um, I, I I can't recommend it enough. It's it's it is a little sad, but in a good way. I mean, if you need a little release and you want to read a beautiful story about budding artists and love and you know sort of the decline of someone's health who knows what's going on um, but still does everything they can to live their life to the fullest and everyone around her's appreciation of that and then the translator and the story of what's going on with her and her publishing company um, it's fascinating interesting intricate and um, just a wonderful read and it's not it's it's oh gosh it's not a, a very thick thick volume so don't be afraid <laughs> um and it's very accessible the summer guest by allison anderson okay so the last time we did the podcast i was saying that i was resisting reading um the second book in the devabad trilogy which comes after um the city of brass and I couldn't hold out anymore. <laughs> so um, so I read The Kingdom of Copper, and this is really the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy. Um, there's a lot of building up to something. Um, in the first one, in The City of Brass, she alternates back and forth between two different um, narratives, um, Ali and Nari. And in this one, she adds a third one in, and I'm not going to say who it is. Okay. Um, but um, there's a lot more um, backstory. You learn a lot more about um, the history of this of this world that she's created in this series. Um, you learn um, a lot more about the backstory of Nari. You learn about her parentage. Um, they they do allude to her mother a, a bit in the first one, but you learn a, a lot more about her in this one. And um, this one takes place five years after the end of the first one. Oh. Um, and I'm really, really glad I have the third one in my, my little claws because I wouldn't really... <laughs> to have ended this one and not have the third one to go into very soon because cliffhanger. <laughs> so so is is the third one um, in publication now? Or no, I have the arc of it. Harper Collins just sent me the arc of it. Let me, um, I will look up and see when it's supposed to come out because. Um, yeah, you don't want to do that to people. Yeah, it just, you know. You, you're going to need to pace <laughs> yourself on this you're, and wait till the next one comes although, out. You don't, know, don't do what Philip Pullman has done to me. <laughs> uh, fair warning, though, they are all over 600 pages long, so they, they do take a minute to get through. Um, but it looks like it goes pretty Actually, yeah, it, it's yeah. gone very quickly for me. It's come, so it's coming out this year, uh, June 11th. Oh, so well then go yeah. ahead. Get yeah, started. go ahead. Get started now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just um, an incredibly well built world that you just lose yourself in, and um, oh, <laughs> I need that right now. Yes. Well, and I'm such a nerd. I looked up on Spotify. Some there are three different like city of brass three themed playlists that people have created yeah. and so i've been listening to the music while i've been reading it and there there's one that's just all um instrumental but it's very like 
modern um middle eastern sounding music ah. it's just, it's a lot of fun so if you just want to be like fully immersed and just go for is it is it like what the cats like to listen to at no, night no no it's not like spa music okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry we've had to resort during the pandemic and the lessened hours of the store to playing spa music for the cats at night to keep them calm it's and true happy. keep them from chewing on things they shouldn't be chewing on it's true well i i, I will admit that i listen to patty smith while i'm reading the book oftentimes <laughs> um it just gives me a better idea of where she's going because she hasn't gotten into music yet in the no. part where we are in the book so well i did not listen to tori amos while i was reading tori amos's book mm -hmm. but it did inspire me to make a tori amos playlist of all the things because I was like, I need to have a renaissance with Tori Amos and start and re-listen to her. Because it's been a long time since I've really listened to. Like I just listen to my iTunes library on like shuffle most of the time. So I, it's it's rare that I sit down and listen to like an album start to finish. And I was like, I miss that. Like I miss going and buying an album and just listening to the album. I yes. iTunes has ruined me. Well, it's hard <laughs> because we have a record player and it's hooked into our sound system, and I have some albums and I'll put them on but when I'm cooking dinner or doing so, so I have to consciously be reading or doing something and then get up and flip the record and and but it does it makes you a much more active participant in what you're listening to I think well and I think that most times um Albums are meant to be listened to in their entirety because they tell like a, a, a story. There's, an there's arc, a yeah, narrative. There, yeah, yes. there is, and it's just you know when you don't listen to it that way, it loses a lot. And I feel like today too, because people are listening to things so piecemeal and listening to mm -hmm. singles that even with a whole album, like people aren't writing albums that way anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, so the other morning when I got up on my news feed, there was a tiny desktop concert oh yes ever, i oh, love yeah. those <laughs> and there was one with clem snide and one of the avid brothers scott avid and they were doing this so they're doing it during quarantine they're doing it from people's homes right. and i guess they must live near each other which <laughs> i want to live in that neighborhood <laughs> um so they did it in scott avid's barn and you could hear chickens and roosters in the background and i had forgotten how much i love clem snide he is um, kind of a weird, folky artist, but his song lyrics are deep and philosophical and interesting and um, and funny all at the same time. And um, yeah, so I created a playlist for us the other day in the store and reacquainted myself with him. Mm -hmm. And he's got a new album coming out. Yeah, so sometimes you need to have a friend of songs. <laughs> you do. You do. You definitely do. Well... The next book I'm going to talk about is kind of one that I read, oh gosh, years ago. And um, I don't read a lot of mysteries, but when I do, I really enjoy them. And I like kind of a grittier mystery, but not too murdery, if that makes sense. <laughs> so I had like a cozy. And I, I, I like it dirty, but not with murder. <laughs> well, no, there has to be a murder. You know, what's the point? Um so this one is, it's the first in a series, and they're translated from the French, from French, not the French. Well, <laughs> the French as well. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I digress. Fred Vargas is a pen name. The author is actually a woman. And um, they were translated not in order in the UK. And then when they brought them over to the US, they, tra they translated them in order. So the first one in the series is the Chalk Circle Man, where you're kind of introduced to all the characters. 
and the main character is sort of a swarthy um, Frenchman from the country who's come in, and his his name is Ams Amsberg. Are, so is it? Are they police procedurals? Is he like a police detective? He is a police detective, and they are somewhat police procedurals. But there's always sort of this almost um, oh gosh, uh, cosmic pull that draws them into things. Um, Metaphysical police procedurals. Yes. <laughs> Yes, which is exactly my cup of tea. Oh, right. <laughs> it's like Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, but more serious and on a smaller scale. Okay. Um, they take place in actual places. And so so this, these take place in Paris, although by the time you get into the um, the series, they move about and they end up on the coast of France and Normandy. They go to Canada at one point. Um, but the first one is in Paris, and there is... There are appearing on the sidewalks around this certain district of Paris, these blue chalk circles, and they have just weird things in them, like a marble, a pigeon's foot, a beer can, um, some a doll's head, some stomach well, that's pills. creepy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're creepy, but people think it's just an artistic statement or something until a woman with a slit throat ends up in one of the circles. Hmm. And so he... He is drawing the lines together, and he has the help of, um, he has sort of a, I'm not going to say a sidekick, but uh, his protege, whose last name is Danglar, <laughs> and um, they're all French names, and so I'm going to butcher it, and I'm sorry. And then there's another character who's kind of this um, uh, tough, hard-boiled woman detective as well. And there's a mysterious blind man in the book. There's an older woman looking for love. There's a gorgeous and famous oceanographer. Well, that, sure. Yeah, I mean, and so it, it's a pretty short book, really. It's about, oh, let's see, 246 pages. Uh, just about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if not exactly. And, um, and I don't want to give too much away in it because... Well, it's a mystery, and, it's and a that, mystery. that's that's spoilery. <laughs> yes, and I'm not going to spoil it, but it is um, sort of a metaphysical mystery. So, would you compare them to possibly like the Louise Penny books? Um, maybe a little bit. I think um, there, although there are murders and there are there is danger. I don't think he's quite. Um, it's a lot of the procedural and the the clues that he per and there's a lot of their personal life in there too. So uh, there there are yeah. in the Louise Penny as well. Um, and there's some hard drinking. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, I would say probably for fans of Louise Penny or of um, Patricia Highsmith. Okay. Or of um, oh, I think they're a little bit of a riff on the Simones. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so do. Well, I don't think they're a little bit of a riff. They're very much like this. So. <laughs> Sorry the, about the that. The Magritte? Yes. The, yeah. Um, um, the, they're republishing one right. by one a year. So do these have, um, are they all standalone or do they have an overarching story throughout them? You can pick up anywhere in them, but I think that it, if you pick up the, the Chalk Circle Man, which you can't say really fast without <laughs> messing it up. But if you pick that one up first, you can go anywhere in the series after that. But I think this is a good introduction to what you're getting into. Okay. So 
you don't have to read them all together, but I think reading them in some sort of order is good. Because, like, with the Louise Penny ones, I feel like you probably can pick them up and read them if you haven't read the rest of the series. But there is kind of this overarching storyline that I feel is important to read it in an order. Yes. I, I, I think you would benefit from reading these in order, although... As I said, in, in England, and they came out in no order whatsoever. Right. And so, um, but there is there's a little bit of a lost love. There's why he is the way he is, his roots in the country, his sure. family life. All of that um, progresses over, over the time, the storyline of the books, um, the timeline of the books. Okay. Sorry, I'm inarticulate today. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> We're out of practice. It's been a week. <laughs> it has been a week. Yes. Um, okay, so the last thing that I would like to talk about, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this or not. <laughs> um, so when we went to Winter Institute, uh, Jessica and I had got, um, we had gotten invited to go to this author's dinner, and it was put out by, or the dinner was done by Macmillan, mm-hmm. and um, unlike a lot of the publishers, they send you beforehand this sampler that's got like 30 to 40 pages of each of the books for each of the authors that are going to be at these dinners. And they expect you to have done your homework and to have read these things, right? And then they don't seat you next to the author. <laughs> now, now, okay. Je- Jessica's bitter. <laughs> Get out of the bitter barn and play in the hay, lady. <laughs> okay. Well, they give you a lot of homework yes, and they so- ask you where you want to sit. And yes. then... And- Sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. doesn't. Yes. But um, so I was reading the sampler. I was being a good kid and doing my homework. Mm-hmm. And there was um, a snippet. The f- it was like the first 30 pages of a book <gasps> called The House in the Cerulean totally Sea read that book. by T.J. Clune. And so I was reading and I got to the end of the 30 pages and I was like, okay, this shall not stand. <laughs> um, I need yes. more. So I was really excited that he was at Winter Institute and he was at the author reception. So I was able to get a full galley of it. Okay, now that was in January and I was super excited to start the rest of this book. And I got home and it got lost in my house (laughs) because there are a few books in there. Um, And I just found it again. And so I started back reading it, and it's still as good as I as it was then. But um, there is a blurb on the back of this that sums up the book perfectly, and it's 1984 meets the Umbrella Academy with a pinch of Douglas Adams thrown in. So Linus is the main character, and he works for the Department in Charge of Magical Youth. And so he is someone – so – Magical youth are put into these group homes and they are um, kept track of and registered with the government. Um, And so his job is to go and oversee these homes and make sure that these kids are being well taken care of and that their magical powers are being um, kept in check. So, yes. By kept in check. Does that mean they're not using them? They're not supposed to use them. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I don't want the magic people to be no, impressed. No, 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 no. Um, so he is just kind of a normal caseworker. He's been on his in the job for like fifteen years. Um, it's like very bureaucratic, and it's it's very funny, like the stuff in his office. But he is summoned to uh, a meeting with extremely upper management, 
And so he goes to this meeting and they send him on a special super classified assignment to go and um, report on this one group home um, that has a new caretaker at it. And the reports that they're getting are disturbing to them because they're not very detailed and they're not exactly sure that everything's on the up and up and things aren't going the way they should be going there. And so they give him a briefcase with files on the six magical youths that are there and the guy who is the caretaker. So he travels to um, the, and the, this uh, group home is on an island Mm-hmm. And so he travels all the way to this island and he starts looking through the files. And the first file um, for one of the kids is a kid named Lucy. It turns out Lucy is short for Lucifer and he is the Antichrist. Oh, my. Um, so and that's just one of the kids that's at this specific home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's as far as I've gotten. It's very funny. It's very British. It's very Douglas Adams. Um it, if you enjoy the TV show of the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, which I just started watching and is amazing, um, so if you haven't watched that, get on that. Um, but the, it's it's very very fun. <laughs> yeah, the the author was um, charming. Oh yes, very and much so, so much fun yes. and. Yes, that is also on my list of things to be read. So we had a tragedy on our way back from Winter Institute, where several of our boxes were lost and. Mm-hmm. And a couple of our readers that we really wanted, which we can't get now in the yeah. time of, of pandemic, um, are just gone. And so you've reminded me of of, <laughs> of some of the ones I want to read, and I'm yeah. going to make a special effort to find them now. Yes. So um, also, T.J. Klune has a young adult book that is coming out called The Extraordinaries. And he is doing a virtual reader meet writer event through SEBA. Um, and it's in June, so look for that on our website um, because he really is super charming, a lot of fun. Uh, you guys should just – you'll enjoy that one. Yes. It'll, it'll be a good one. And you, you should take advantage of the Reader Meets Writer series. It's a lot of fun. They're really pulling from a lot of different areas to bring authors in and give everybody a chance to interact because um, there aren't any book tours right now. And But it really, it's an opportunity to see authors that we wouldn't normally be able to bring into this area. Yeah, like this week we have Lisa Wingate, um, which is very exciting. Like that's not an event we probably would have been able to pull off on our own. So this is exciting to be able to offer that to, to people. And they're free. Yeah. All we ask is that if you attend one and you decide you want the book, please buy it, if not from us, from another local, your local independent bookstore. Yeah. Well, I think... I think that's all we have for today. That's all we have. Yeah. Um, Hope you all are doing well and reading lots of books. And we will be back not next week, but the week after. Yes. And we'll have lots of new things for you. Yes. We will. We will really get on the reading. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Take care. Bye.